Welcome to Footsteps, the Fort Learning National Historic Site podcast. I'm your host, Ranger Ben, and this season we are taking a look at Fort Learning's past, present, and future. Today is part one on Fort Learning's future. Today I'm joined by our volunteer, Canvas Lovesey. How's it going today? It's going pretty good. How are you? Doing well. Now, as we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what drew you to volunteer at Fort Learning, how long you've been doing it? My name's Canvas, obviously. <laughs> Grown up in Kansas around this area my whole life. Uh, started volunteering at Fort Learned through a high school backs club that came, comes out every year for our October event, Candlelight Tour. Um, really started becoming a primary volunteer last October of 2022. I mean, really just the history, the people out here keep coming me back. I've always learned something every single time I'm out here. So just learning and being able to represent something from history and help preserve it is really something that I've tried to strive for, especially moving forward in my life. That's something I want to do. So, I mean, coming out to the fort is going to help me with that as well and help push me towards a career in the national park or towards conservation so looking forward to it absolutely and not only like you said that you learn something new every time you come out here but um especially as you've uh, taken a dive into learning about the hospital stewards which we talk about a little bit on the episode my interpretation of the hospital has expanded quite a bit uh, just from from learning from you so that's been awesome well you're welcome Thank you. Uh, so yeah, as we get into the episode, um, one of my favorite parts, as with all of our guests this season, was just taking a dive into what it takes to do do the jobs around here. Uh, today's guest is our superintendent, Kevin Eads. He's been here for about a year and a half now. And so taking a look at uh, his job, how he has to look to the future and sort of forward management, as he says, that was really cool. And that's a big part of what I enjoyed about this episode. I mean, definitely that and hearing about how the employees of the park are really what make a park a park. I mean, obviously everything there, the historical aspects, the things that make it a national treasure, definitely what make it the actual park, but what brings it to life and helps people understand it, truly brings people crawling back is definitely the employees. So hearing that too and we definitely dive into that a lot in this episode, too. Yeah. It was, a, it was a fun episode. It was a great interview, and we hope you enjoy taking a listen. So welcome, Kevin. Good morning. How's it going? Good. Going good. All right. So as we kick it off, as we have with our other guests this season, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, your name, title, and uh, what other parks you might have worked at. Okay. You bet. So Kevin Eads, I'm the superintendent here uh, at the park. And I've been with the National Park Service for uh, right at 33 years. I've been here, uh, it's been a year and a half. Some of the other parks that I've worked at uh, has been George Washington Carver National Monument, George Washington's Birthplace, uh, Arkansas Post National Memorial, Pea Ridge National Military Park, uh, and then I did a stint at, uh, at Badlands. More experience than I have. <laughs> Just by a little. That's for sure. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what uh, got you into the Park Service originally and some of your uh, highlights along your journey. You bet. So uh, I first I grew up on a farm and uh, didn't know really anything about the Park Service. 
And uh, when I was getting my, my undergrad, uh, there towards the, uh, the end of, of that degree, there was a job fair. Several of my friends had gone, and they were telling me about it. And there were some job openings. And initially I went, they had the, the Corps of Engineers, uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, and the National Park Service. Well, I knew about the Corps of Engineers, and I knew about the Fish and Wildlife. And uh, so we went, and all of their jobs had already been filled. Uh, the National Park Service had uh, a couple of jobs left there. And so me and another gentleman went and visited with them and signed up. And that's how I got started with the Park Service. So uh, and started off at, uh, at Carver. So, so you sort of stumbled into it almost. I did. I did. I'm glad I, I did. You know, 33 years later, looking back, it was one of the best decisions that I've made. So really enjoy the, the Park Service, the staff. So you, you kind of stumbled into the Park Service in a way. Obviously, there's something that's kept you here, like you sort of touched on. Is it the staff or is there, is there more to it? What has sort of kept you in the, in the National Park Service? Again, my background, grew up on a farm. Uh, my degrees are um, in biology, wildlife biology, forest resources. So the parks that I went to, you know, it was a new world, whether it was at Carver, uh, George Washington's birthplace, Arkansas Post, each one had their own unique resources, whether that was natural resources, cultural resources. But, you know, along the way, meeting the people and being able to work with and learn from them was the most satisfying. And that's kind of what kept me in. I had people all along the way that took me under their wing. They mentored me. I learned from them. And it's been a, a wonderful experience. Yeah, and that was something that uh, we sort of touched on uh, in the last episode with Tyler, our carpenter. And uh, our volunteer, Lynn, mentioned that she sort of realized that the National Park Service is not this, not only this great place for these great resources, be that cultural or natural, but it's also this gathering place of historic techniques, um, and I'm, I'm guessing in that scientific techniques as well, and and all these different things that you might not necessarily find elsewhere, but then you can learn from while you're working in the park service. So absolutely, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so have you had uh, in your in your time going through these different parks? I know it's tough to find one of your I guess favorites or highlight park, but uh, would you say you have one? I love being here. I love this park. Um, just as I loved each of the other parks, um, each one is unique. That's why they're a national park. You know, with them being unique in their own right, and then at the time of life that I was at each one of those parks, um, each one of them is special. They're all my favorite park. Now, when uh, visitors come in and ask me if I have a favorite park that I've worked at, I give pretty much a similar answer that yeah. each one has its own gem that you start to appreciate after working there for yeah. even for a few months. So as we sort of continue into the episode, into your work here, what sort of drew you to the position here? And what has uh, been your highlight since you've started working here for a year and a half now? I've always kept an eye on Fort Lauren. Part of the reason it's it's closer to where I grew up, right out of college, got married the same day we graduated. And then shortly thereafter, we went to Virginia. It's it's been a, a journey the whole way with Fort Larned, with Kansas itself. I I really enjoy uh, the landscape, the history that's here. Um, growing up when I did, you know, you you see all the the Western movies, um, and so I think that was ingrained from birth pretty much. And getting to work 
in an area that has the history that Fort Larned does, as well as the the natural resources, is uh, is what first drew me here. It's one of the the things that I really like about about the park, about the area. The other thing that I really like about this area is the people. Very friendly. They help you out. They visit with you. I mean, it's that's a wonderful component. Now, when I initially asked uh, again, going back to Tyler, I had asked him uh, when he came back. Uh, under his project funding initially, I asked him what drew him back to Fort Lauderdale, and he said the people. Yeah, we have a, a very friendly work group here, and not only that, the community too. Yes, very absolutely. welcoming. Very, very small town community, like everyone's willing to help everyone, so definitely a good thing. Yeah. And the other thing I like about this area is the amount of dirt roads. You can drive and not have to cross pavement for a very long time if you want to. Or you'll come cross pavement way quicker than you think you are going to. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Or you end up in a field. The road yeah. just did in, so yeah. Is there any park in particular that if you would want to work at, you would prefer to like work at there? Not really prefer, but is there a park in general that if you could get the chance to work at, you would take it? You know, being able to work here, like I said, it's... I've kept my eye on Fort Larned for a very long time. This would have been one of those parks, is one of those parks. You know, I've never really wanted to work at the the Grand Canyons or the Yellowstones. Or I like the small parks. I like the, the staff. Everybody's got to work together. Um, there are no strangers. No single park comes to mind. I like it here. I really do. That's interesting. You're talking about small parks, and you did a stint at uh, Badlands. Mm-hmm. I myself and personally enjoy the small parks, and I've I've loved my career and uh, especially working here. So, how was that going from your experience in small parks? How was that going to a, a bigger park? And was was that much of an adjustment? You know, really, it wasn't. So, the stint there, it was a I was an acting deputy superintendent, lived there on a park, but the staff were from for the most part, from the area, or they lived on the park. I still got that same sense of park service community. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, no, it wasn't It wasn't different. The time of year in which I was there, I was there through the summer and then the fall. The visitation was extremely high. That I had to get used to. Of the evening and the mornings, the landscape is very similar to here, minus the hills. <laughs> <laughs> but um, other than that, no, the, the visitation would have been the, the biggest mm-hmm. difference. But the staff, they were amazing just like they are here and they've been at every other park i've worked at my entire career for the most part has been small park no and that's something i've noticed too even working seasons at big parks is you sort of it may not be the whole park that has a sense of community but you definitely have these pockets of Mm -hmm. maybe your work group or those that you live around that you definitely sort of form that little community and that that small town mentality almost for right for a little bit so yeah getting into what you do here uh, for someone who doesn't necessarily have experience in the park service or um, or the command structure, if you will, uh, how would you explain what you do here in your position? So I view my position here as primarily trying to facilitate and help the staff do the various functions of their jobs, whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, let's identify training so that staff can grow in their position or in desired future positions. It's helping out where I can, whether it's with getting the the processes complete, like compliance, working with program managers, 
uh, things of that nature. And all of that's in an effort to continue to preserve the park and its resources. As we were talking uh, before we started recording, really, if it wasn't for the staff here, we wouldn't be able to, for one, maintain the buildings uh, and even improve them as they need to be improved. And then to be able to tell the story of the fort. Well, we do have the resource, and that is sort of what we're we're going towards. That the staff is part of the resource, really. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've I've been asked that question a few times as far as what is the most important resource. In a way, it's hard to answer because the answer is not what most people expect. You've got your every park has got the natural resources: your fish, fields, fur to manage. Every park has its cultural resources to manage. For example, at this park, you know, we've got part of the cultural resources are the facilities, the buildings. That's what people see initially whenever they come. But, you know, just in line, in my opinion, just in line with the natural resources and the cultural resources of any park I've ever worked at, another resource that is on par would be the staff, the employees of that park. Because if they don't care, you know, if they don't continue to strive to improve that park, to tell the story of the park, uh, incorporate their perspectives, then what do you have? Yeah, you've got the cultural natural resources, but nobody's protecting them. Nobody's preserving them. And so are they going to remain significant and a national treasure? So the employees are are right up there uh, with the natural cultural, if not, in my opinion, the, the primary resource. So, I mean, even going on, adding on to the having employees, too, who are willing to sh- help share the story, because, I mean, you could definitely could have some who are still interested in keeping the history and wanting to help preserve it and everything, but just getting out and actually telling people this is what happened is definitely something, too. And I feel like here we have a very good staff team that does that and volunteers, too, that are willing to actually come out and say this is what happened in this building. This is the people who were here and actually willing to share it with people, whether they want to listen or not. So, <laughs> Right. Um, I made some notes I'll, I'll share with you along these lines. Canvas is something that you and I had talked about previously. I think one of the questions you had asked is, you know, in what ways can the employee change the way people feel and learn about the parks? And to me, this is tied into the question you just asked, Ben. You know, for employees, it's important that, They bring creative and new ideas uh, that engage all components of of society and that they consider and present all cultures' uh, viewpoints, both current and past, so that the stories are told from all perspectives, sort of that 360 view, and that they strive to identify and then incorporate new technologies whenever possible because they're continuously changing. I mean, look at what we're we're doing now. It's a creative, brilliant idea, a good way to get the, the stories out. And for people to learn, to, to pique their interest. I feel like that's definitely true out here, too, especially at Fort Larned, where the reason why the post is here at all is to help protect people traveling on the Santa Fe Trail. And, I mean, it's against natives, except why were the natives being hostile? So when you're looking at that, it's not just, don't just tell it from one perspective as to why we're, oh, these people are being hostile towards us. We need to build a fort. Look at why are they being hostile towards us, which... Right. Yeah. It's really key out here. Mm-hmm. You know, being invaded, things of that nature. It's, uh, you need to be able to tell all perspectives. One of the other things for employees, for me, it's easier said than done because you can get in a rut, right? 
<clears throat> but never settle for, you know, we've always done it that way. You have to stay self-motivated and continue to push yourself to stay relevant with the changing times. The only constant is nothing is constant. And to, you know, to push yourself to come up with new ideas, just like I said with the, the podcast here, but not come up with those ideas only, but implement them also. And then just like in life, realize that not everything is going to be the way you think it should go. In other words, everything that you try is not going to be successful. That should inspire us to and make us keep pushing, keep moving forward, trying harder, push ourselves beyond what we think we can do. If you're not uncomfortable, just like this, you know, I'm a little <laughs> uncomfortable in it. Um, but if you're not uncomfortable in, in some of the things that you're doing, then you're you know, my question is, are you really growing? So it's important for the staff to keep keep that motivation and keep moving forward for the park to grow, for it to be preserved, So and for the staff to grow. Like I said, I've been in the park service for 33 years. At some point, I'm going to retire. The existing staff are going to be in roles of leadership. You know, it's important that they they realize that there's there are a lot of things that they can do, and it's it's uh, the key is to stay self-motivated and, and push themselves. I like what you were saying about if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. That's something that I try to do. That's why that's why I try to do new things. And certainly, uh, as we started this podcast, I wasn't comfortable doing it, but uh, hopefully getting a little better at it. Following that vein of what you do in your role here, of course, the theme of this episode is Fort Lauderdale's future. A lot of what you do deals with what's down the road. Right. So, I mean, while we have the staff here, while we have the resource here, we want to make sure what we have that's here, here to tell the story of the past. But there's obviously things that we need to look to the future for uh, in order to, like you said, keep improving, keep staying relevant and uh, and become better. Mm-hmm. Uh, still telling, in essence, the same story, but uh, hopefully yeah, telling it in a new light. Uh, yeah, telling it in a new light. So if you're privy to say some of the the things that you're looking for or just in general mm-hmm. in the future that, that you have to deal with on a daily basis. You hit on one key topic, um, and that's, you know, to, to preserve history, you have to manage forward. And that's not only in buildings, the cultural resources, the natural resources, but also, again, primarily the, the staff. For the future of, of this park, of any park, you know, you look to your staff. I do. I have learned more from the staff here than I ever thought I would. And that's been the case Pretty much in in every park that I've gone to. In my mind, the future of the park is the staff. And if that's true, then look to the staff and find out, you know, what areas do they want to grow in? Do we have enough staff? What needs to be done at the park? And then start working towards that. You've got to plan sometimes three to five years out or further in order to do that. And oftentimes what I'll do is, you know, think down the road, okay, what do I need or what do I think the park needs in five years or what should it look like in five years? And then step back or at least identify a component and and not put a time frame to it. For example, you've got a broad question, what does the park what should the park look like in the future? You've got to identify, okay, are we gonna are we talking about buildings? Are we talking about staffing? Are we talking about budgets. So you identify each one of those components and then you walk it back. Well, if, for example, we want the visitor center to look this way, remodeled, we want to have the best visitor center in the park service. Okay, well, what does that look like? And you start identifying those components. Well, we could have the latest technology. We could have a new movie. We could have, you know, all of these things. But then you 
when you break it down into components and start backing it up, there are things you have to do in order to get there. Whether that's you've got to fix things first and you back it up. And then from that process, you get a timeline as well as projects that need to be done in order to, to realize that picture. More often than not, that includes uh, as a primary component, your staff. Obviously, I know you're usually very busy with meetings and things like that. So would you say that all those sort of revolve around that? One of those components of what does the fort look like a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Yes, every bit of it. (laughs) (laughs) Every bit of it, yeah. Um, Because it's, you know, it's multifaceted. So, for example, the question would be, you know, is the park as as accessible as it should be? Mm. Well, what does that mean? So let's go back. Let's identify exactly, you know, what does that mean? And then let's get the staff involved and let's start getting ideas But then also we need to incorporate outside groups as well so that we have a more robust and creative process to identify those things. In this example uh, with accessibility, you're going to be touching on everything, whether it's interpretation, how you interpret the park, facilities, how do you maintain them, and you start getting that planned out and work towards implementing it. And in order to do that, you've got to have a lot of meetings and talk to a lot of different groups. Working... Just at Fort Lauderdale in general, um, is there one particular aspect of work that you prefer over? I mean, I know Ben loves the reenactment part, which I'm sure we all do to a sense. Um, but it's like desk work. And there's organizing. There's planning for the future. Um, getting events set up. Is there a particular thing that you have that you prefer to do work-wise? compared to just everything else? There's just one thing that you're like, oh, this is my cup of tea. So I get a, a sense of accomplishment. And most people do, you know, when, you, when you're able to look back and see something get done. And for a lot of people, and, and me in a lot of respects, that something that gets done is, is physical, a new roof, a new structure, new road. But for me, yes, those do give me a sense of accomplishment and they are very important. But more so what, what I really like to see is... For the staff to grow, grow on their skill sets, grow on their creativity, identify things and implement them. You know, one of the things that um, I think uh, for myself a lot anyway, is I may come up with a hundred different ideas and try to implement 50 of them. And if five of them work, I'm happy because those five never would have been accomplished had I not identified a hundred. And so whenever you see staff and volunteers doing things and coming up with ideas and and you see all of the excitement around that and you see them actually get the physical things done but you see the growth that's to me the the most rewarding part of the job seeing successes i mean sometimes you have you have failures in there too but then you you learn and are able to adjust and and make it better second time around right is there anything in the park future that you're looking forward to specifically mm-hmm the Old Guard, our French group, Fort Lauderdale Old Guard, is they're an amazing group. And um, because of that and uh, their work ethic, their professionalism, their creativity, they've done a lot of things for the park uh, over the years. One of which is they, uh, they purchased a uh, village site with the intent of, you know, at some point being able to, to transfer that to the, to the park, which would be wonderful. As part of that process... They've been working on getting it listed as a National Historic Landmark, which would help to preserve it into the future. I mean, they've they've put in a parking lot. Uh, they're talking about putting in waysides, holding events there. So to me, that's 
for the future of the park that uh, that's very exciting. You know, let's get it listed as NHL, and let's see what we can move forward with. So you think eventually that that may potentially be a satellite site to the fort here? I'm hopeful, yeah. Sort yeah. of like how the rut site is, but right. just a little further out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful area. It really is. And it, it ties in with the fort. Yeah. I mean, it's... Because that's where Hancock burned the Cheyenne Village, right? Right. Right. So you have, uh, and the place he left from a couple of days before was right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you've got all of these characters that were here, passed through, that are tied to the village, and then after that as well. So yeah. there are a lot of stories, a lot of perspectives. And that's that's one thing that, again, when I talk to visitors, I tell them I love about this place is we know for a fact that there's over 270 officers here. That doesn't count the enlisted men that were here the civilians who worked here, the travelers on the trail, the Plains Indians that were here. When you add that in, you have thousands, if not maybe close to a million stories that you can tell. And so it's it's really cool to have the prospect of having something that we can add to the story and add to the interpretation here, even though it's not necessarily right on site, but it does add to the whole story of Fort Larned. Right, right, and ties in. So I mean, there there are a lot of friends groups in our in our next next episode. We're actually going to hear from uh, the chairperson of the old guard. Mm-hmm. Um, friends group aren't they're not mutually exclusive to Fort Larned. So what are your experiences working with cooperating organizations like friends groups or like uh, Western National Parks Association, who runs our bookstore and things mm-hmm. like that? Because uh, I assume you have a lot of relationship with people like that in your position. Right. I've worked, you know, at other parks. I worked, we had a fringe group there as well. And um, there were other, at various times, uh, organizations that we worked with, depending on, you know, if it was for hiking trails, bicycle paths, land acquisition, things of that nature. Out of every park that I worked at, there have been groups. But I would have to say, you know, that the old guard is right at the top as far as what they've done, you know, for the park, for the history, and what they're currently doing the direction they're going no i mean they're they're always looking in the future and that's why we have uh that interview in this in the fort Lawrence future because that's while they do help us keep what's here here mm-hmm. they do also help us for future projects and for uh future acquisitions and things like that as we were talking about i think in uh first couple episodes of this season we we're talking about some of the things that they've been able to acquire for us be that trapdoor rifle mm-hmm. that was used here Captain Nolan's revolver, Frank Baldwin's sword, just really cool things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to get our hands on. We able, were able to help tell the story of the fort, and that's all things too. Right, right. Really the volunteers with mm-hmm. the old guard. You know, one of the things, and Canvas had asked me, and I'm going to turn it around on you, Ben, make this an interview about you. You know, Canvas had asked me previously uh, about volunteers. You know, how do you grow volunteers what future do you see for volunteers here future growth you know i know that you've been a driving force here at the park uh, with volunteers whether they're living historians i know you're working on getting a band going but also long-term volunteers like we just had and like you're working on coming up that's a big accomplishment you know what do you see for the future yeah so put you on the spot yeah well taking taking it back a little bit because i mean I do focus on history quite a bit, so it's easy for me to look in the past. Uh, I got my start in the park service as a volunteer. My goal, my career goal when I was in middle school was to become a National Park Service Ranger. So I set my sights on that early, found the path that I could take, 
And that was starting out with, with volunteering. So I volunteered at my local national park, had lots of new experiences, was uncomfortable many times, um, but was able to grow through that. And so my goal is to involve as many volunteers as we can uh, because the National Park Service can't do what we do without volunteers. Right. And giving the volunteers new experiences, as I'm sure, Canvas, have you been, ever met on a podcast before? I've never been on a podcast. There we go. So, so there's... New experience unlocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, so... We're all uh, learning together. Learning new things and, and doing new things. I know for, uh, especially our younger volunteers, public speaking is not necessarily something they're comfortable with, but... Uh, here we have a great stage for them to just have conversations, have right. uh, talk with people and and get in that uh, interpretation and, and tell the story and give that visitor a positive experience. Not, so not only including more volunteers to help us out, but help them out as much as possible, give them new experiences, help them uh, along the lines that, that they, they enjoy. Uh, for example... Canvas, you have done a lot of uh, research into hospital stores and things like that, which has grown my knowledge and my interpretation of, of the site. Uh, and then we had uh, our long-term volunteer, Lynn, uh, who was a co-host on the last episode. She loves researching, so she did a lot of research for us while, we're, while she was here. She added, oh, I don't know, it was like a good five-inch stack of papers to our files of things that she found. Wow. So yeah. finding out what the volunteers enjoy, for one, because if we're not giving them something that they enjoy or something that they can use to grow, they're not necessarily going to keep coming back. Right. And so finding ways to do that. So And, and along the lines of, of growing the staff, of what are their goals, what, what do they want, and help them that, that way. What would you want or need for, for the superintendent at Fort Lauren to, to do to help you? That's a question I haven't really thought about, so you're putting me on the spot. I am. But, I am. Uh, but no, I guess just uh, the support you've already given has been fantastic. And, and I know any interaction that you've had with the volunteers has been, they always come back with, you're just an awesome person. I think when they see someone of your leadership status caring about everyone, be that a visitor, volunteer, staff member, I think that goes a long way. I can uh, definitely tell that your ears are always open. I have learned more from the staff, just listening to them. That's going back to your question earlier, Canvas. That's uh, that's one of the things that I really, really like, uh, especially, and it's been my whole experience with small parks, but being able to interact with uh, with all of the staff, all of the volunteers, you, know, you can have the opportunity to learn so much from them. Yeah, we have a lot of knowledge here, and uh, not just one person has it. No. <laughs> that's what's that's what's been extraordinary about this podcast too is being able to dive into uh, into George's knowledge, into Mike's knowledge, into Bill Chapman's knowledge, into Tyler's knowledge, and yeah, and into yours too, and your prior experiences. It's been really eye opening into what goes on that I don't necessarily worry about on a day to day, but is being worried about by other people in the park. Right, we wouldn't be able to have the time or the the luxury to. To worry about that and and look at planning for uh, for the park's future, if not for the staff uh, and the volunteers doing what they do. So it's a it goes both ways. It's a give and take. Moving on into the future of the park, we're currently working on a couple things for it, including this building. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, just when? Because I mean, this building been here forever, and no one's really had access to it from the public. 
So when do you think, I mean, people should come out here because everything's constantly changing, of course. And right. every time I come out here, I learn something new. So the chance of people who have never been out here before learning something new is very high. So, I mean, even the people who have come out here before, when should they come back out here to expect to see this building open? So, you know, we're looking at, uh, right now we're doing, and you can see from, from the interior some of the work that's been done. Right now, essentially, we're making an assessment. What, what kind of shape is the building in? What needs to be done to the building? And then from that, they'll start putting together some documents for construction. And so we're, so you got a phase one and a phase two. Right now we're in phase one. And it's not that nothing is going on. There's, there's a lot. I mean, if you go down into the, uh, the bottom floor, you can see where they've taken up the, the modern floor. Uh, and you can see the historic floor. We're taking an assessment in this example of the historic floor, how much of it can be saved, preserved, and what needs to be done in order to, to do that. The phase one assessment should be done this year. Soon thereafter, we would start the, the construction. So, you know, if everything goes according to plan, a couple of years, three years, and uh, this building will be renovated and, and, uh, and opened up, hopefully. But there are a lot of other things. Uh, right now, we've got a, a mess behind uh, the visitor center. Putting in, you know, when we talk about facilities, it also includes things like water and, and sewage. For the most part, any park is like a city unto itself because you've got water, sewer, electric, utilities, and all of those have to be managed. And at times, they have life cycles that need to be replaced. And so right now, we're replacing a, a septic system. You know, we're very fortunate to have Bill Chapman, uh, our facilities manager. Uh, he's very forward-thinking and uh, very proactive in uh, identifying projects, things that need to get done, and then going after the the funding to get them done. Some of the, th the other things that we're looking at in the next three to five years are roofs, re-roofing most of the buildings, if not all, painting several of the buildings, fixing the plaster work, uh, inside, you know, with the cracks and things of that nature. We're looking at maintaining our roads, signage, waysides. So everything, again, is in a constant state of change. It's Bill Chapman's job to arrest that change or repair it as soon as possible. And so things are always changing. And, you know, in the same respects, that's true with telling the stories of the park, different ways of telling a story. Again, these podcasts. Ben, I know that you and... Uh, Another park ranger, Celeste, just worked on a project and are, are hoping to get funding for it. Can you tell a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, Park Service is working on uh, finding some pilot parks for augmented reality. Although it will take some money to do it, it's going to take a lot less money than, say, rebuilding a whole structure. So uh, what we're working on right now is uh, the beginnings of the project to hopefully add augmented reality so you can see uh, the cavalry stables through the Park Service app. Uh, and so you'd be able to go to uh, around the location of where the, the stables were. And though it won't actually be there, you can see what it would look like in the landscape, which would be awesome. Yeah, it would really be neat. And that's through looking through your smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. And again, a lot cheaper than... <laughs> right. right. And a lot easier to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also know that uh, that y'all are working on another window to the past mm -hmm. for the laundresses. Um, so that should be done. I would say come to the park as much as is possible because things 
are constantly being worked on, improved, new things are being done. Whether you can physically see them or not, it may be like the band Ben is working on, getting that going. Uh, it may be new programs. It may be new stories that are being told. But, you know, this this park is is growing consistently. And that's one of the things I've noticed since I've been here, not only through projects on facilities, but interpretively as well through those types of programs. So I would say come often. And if I can add to that, personally, I've, of course, I've worked here for a little over four years now. So I've been here on a daily basis pretty much that whole time. And I am still always learning something. So even if you've been out here 10, 20 times, right. uh, there's always something to learn. Absolutely. And, you know, I would encourage people to, to visit with the park rangers. The amount of knowledge that is that the staff has at this park is amazing. I at times sit and just try to think of questions to ask, you know, George, for example, to see if I can stump him, and I've yet to do that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I've had the same experience. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, as we wrap up, another thing we've been asking all our guests this season is how can our listeners help, whether they're local, whether they're not? Uh, what is uh, What are some of the ways they can help either your job or just help the park in general? Mm-hmm. Come to the park, you know, absolutely, uh, if you can. If not, you know, come to the, the park through digital means with today's technology there are apps we've got our website i know well ben you're always putting up new things on the website um like you did with the blacksmith last year i would learn as much about the park as you can and then and tell people about it uh if you've got the time and the the inclination please come out and volunteer if you can't physically be here there may be volunteer options where you can do it off-site remotely you know we appreciate the interest in the park and help us continue to grow that through whatever means we can. What event that's coming up are you looking forward to most? Mess and Muster. That's going to be a doubt. fun one. Yeah. It will be a fun one. Yeah. yeah. And I think I told you this earlier, Canvas, but, um, you know, last year, literally and figuratively, I had an absolute ball. That was fun. It was fun. <laughs> I got to dance, yeah. So. I mean, we have lots of events throughout the year, too, that people can come out for, but, I mean, mm-hmm. don't just come out for those. We got... A lot of things that you can learn about out here and things going on constantly. Well, thanks for coming on and sharing a little bit about what you do and giving us some insight into the park's future. Oh, you bet. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. All right. Have a good one. Uh, You too. All right. Well, thank you for taking the listen. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, If you haven't already, check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also check out our website. We have some great resources for you on there. Be sure to leave us a rating and review. If you already follow us on social media, be sure to check out Nicodemus National Historic Site as well. They have great resources and things that you can learn about there too. Wonderful. And uh, thank you again for taking a listen. And we will see you next time on Footsteps, the Fort Learned Podcast.